Welcome to Mac and Cheese, episode 57. I'm Mac Mail. And I'm Graham Hicks. Today, we're going to talk about uh, some of the city branding exercise that's been going on for a while. My question is, Mac, this branding stuff is all very important. I'm sort of sold on it. But why does it take so friggin' long? Well, it's good that you're sold on it. That's a starting point anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we have a couple other interesting topics. The new casino is being announced. Uh, every week there's a bright new babble being uh, released about developments around the downtown arena. Very exciting. Yep. Not that you or I have ever walked in. <laughs> I don't think I've ever stepped foot in a casino myself, but I've actually, to see some bands. I've actually been in the back rat, like as a volunteer, you know, in oh, yeah, nonprofits yeah, yeah. can run casinos or whatever. So I've been in there and... Um, you know how to be, run chips? And uh, I know how to do the bank in the back. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but, boy, imagine you or I trying to tr- trying to play blackjack. Yeah, oh, my God. It wouldn't be very good. The funicular is, is actually making ways. We're going to have a, a funicular from Hotel Mac down into the River Valley, it looks like. Yep. And uh, last but not least, farewell to the decrepit, rundown, dying Varscona, and hello to a completely rebuilt Revitalize Varscona Another theater. revamped art space in our city. Yay! <laughs> okay. All right, let's start with branding then. So it was supposed to be discussed at council today, actually, as we record this, and they've postponed it for two weeks. Yeah, so who knows where it'll, it'll go. Uh, this is the branding book. Right, there's which an update is from Make Something Edmonton, which really is to show council the brand book that they put together, and Council's had it now for about a week or two. So this all goes back. We should give our listeners a quick little history. Yep. This poor city has struggled for an identity in the last 60 years because it (laughs) it has a thousand flowers that bloom but no overall identity, and meanwhile we have great envy of Calgary because Calgary has A, Cowboys, and B, Mountains. Right. Right, So they, but they're the only city in Canada, really, well, Vancouver has it. And playoffs, and playoff hockey. (laughs) <laughs> Shush. That's a low blow. Yeah, yeah. But we, uh, Todd Babiuk and his gang kind of a couple of years ago came up with the Make okay. Something Edmonton, which was as close as I ever thought to finding an attitude or a characteristic that really, really resonated with who and what we are as a city. Right? Out of that, but it seems to have gotten bureaucratized in the worst, worst of ways. It was done, what, two years ago, they formed a, an actual group called Make Something Edmonton, city-funded, and then it promptly disappeared. Well, it was the mayor's task force initially. Okay. So Mayor Mandel launched this task force called the uh, the Mayor's Task Force on Image and Reputation or something. Um, yeah. And they became Make Something Edmonton. So it kind of morphed in from the task force into this entity. And then it bounced around for a little bit, and it has now found a home as a unit, basically, of EEDC. And now comes before council with sort of step one or, f- or phase one of the whole idea. like yeah, Kind of like, tell us what you've been doing for the last two years and where do we go from here? I think okay. that's kind of the update, basically. And let's kind of, you know, people should say, well, what, what the heck is this? It's, it's about having a consistent image uh, with your tourism projection, with your city logos, with, with the kind of, that you're presenting a cohesive identity of your city that spreads across all organizations, uses the same words, uses the same underlying emotions. But people have no idea how difficult it is. Do you remember, Mac, the... Nobody feels the same thing, uh, the same way about any same thing, right? Like yeah. Everyone has a different opinion, so you're right. 
it's really difficult to get everybody on the same page about what it is. I would put it slightly different. It is those things, the visual pieces, the logos, the words. But it's also, I think, how do we talk about Edmonton in a way that's not, oh, we have great park space and we have great schools and we have great businesses, the same things that every other city has. Yeah, and the neat thing about Make Something Edmonton is it did find that hook. Yeah, I think so. It found something that was really cool and it has developed a whole pile of of slogans and images and kind of little catchy slogans. You look at the stuff. I mean, I remember how many times did, did EEDC, the economic... Edmonton Economic Development Corporation try to sort of come up with a better slogan than City of Champions. And every time it got absolutely and utterly blown up, right? I wrote about the sign debate over the weekend a little yeah. bit, the entrance signs that say City of Champions. In 1995, EEDC, or its predecessor, did a report on slogans, and they found there was 27 that people had tried to get to be the Edmonton <laughs> slogan at some point. Back in 1995, there was 27. So. Uh. So it's been going on for a while, as you say. But my question is, these are the perfect things that go into this black hole of government. Never let a government get a hold of marketing or, or any kind of big organization, because unless you have a, a Hitler at the head of your marketing department who insists on ramming it through, it goes from committee to committee to committee, and then you get a new general manager, and he wants to change everything, so it goes back to base two. And then you're finally getting somewhere when there's a new election, and there's a new mayor or new councillors, and they say, no, 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 you know, we want to do it our way, not their way. I mean, this, this one, which has had clear direction and a better idea to start with than any of the last ones, has now been two years in the making. Well, and to underscore your point about bureaucracy, you know the city of Edmonton logo with the, the sort of hand-drawn E? Yeah. It took them, they've now put it inside a blue box. Ooh, so that's see exciting. The, you see the square blue box with the logo? It took them a year to approve putting it in the blue box. So they do move pretty slowly. But having said that, with Make Something Edmonton, I feel like the time they've spent on this has been worthwhile because even if they hit on pretty early on the answer to the question, why Edmonton, what makes it different, what makes it special, I think they had to test that and prove it. And I think all of the projects that we've seen on the Make Something Edmonton site and some of the other outcomes that have come as a result of Make Something Edmonton have been good proof that previous activities like this have lacked. So I see that time as a bit of an investment. Mac, we we lack trusting our gut instinct. Most of these things are gut instinct things. This is an important thing to get wrong. Sure it is, but if you have five people sitting around the table saying that's it, make something Edmonton, everyone said yes, this is it, we found it. Now why can't you get those same five people, give them 24 hours, come up with a slogan and say this is the way it's going to be. No, you don't have to take two years to bounce it off of everybody and let it get all corporatized and mixed up and inside out. I've been part of a marketing exercise in a very small way for the last year, and I am incredibly frustrated by, by the kind of delays that go on at the smallest level. Why can't you just leave it up to these people and say, you're our guys, you're not going to leave that room even to go for a pee until you got all your slogans and things done, and then you're going to bring them back to city council, and we're going to prove them, and away we go. Because it's not about the five guys or girls in the room. It's about the 820,000 Edmontonians who need to buy into it and actually talk about it 
on a regular basis. The only way any branding exercise that I is ever going to work for the city of Edmonton is if actual real Edmontonians like it and talk about it. People, I suspect that Mac is angling after a $200 an hour marketing consultancy job. That's Not what he all. wants. I don't think it'll cost <laughs> anything. If you put it out there and it actually resonates with people and they actually start talking How about it. How much do you it, think this rebranding exercise has ca cost to this point? A couple of million dollars. You just say that so casually. Well, it, a couple it million is. bucks. Why'd we have to spend all that money? We spent six million dollars on that Edmonton Stories website. They went nowhere. Well, that was awfully stupid. I think it cost <laughs> a couple of jobs, if I remember rightly. It did, but I feel like this is a relatively small amount of investment if it's going to pay off the way we think it is. Like you and I both agree, it seems like they've tapped into what it actually is that's unique about Edmonton. I see that as a good investment. And I think this whole true. thing is going to drown in that black abyss called government and committee through committee through committee. It'll come out as something really kind of, I hope it survives. I hope that Brad Ferguson and the mayor are strong enough that they'll simply have to crash through and say, guys, this is the way it's going to be. We've been at this for two years. We've come to a conclusion. Let's go. I think that's the risk. The risk is that the city administration take it on. I think city admin do a lot of great things. Branding is not necessarily one of them, um, at least not in the way that we want them to brand Edmonton as the place rather than Edmonton as a corporation. And I think that's where EDC's leadership, hopefully, like you're saying, Brad and, and the mayor and other people will take that forward. So that's the risk in my in my view. Let's hope so. And you know, on, 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 the, on the positive side of that as well, EEDC itself, although they didn't change that stupid initials that are so awkward to say and it's such an awkward name, have rebranded and, and really redesigned themselves and what they emerged with was a far, far interesting, better image for EEDC and a, and a whole no, new or reorganization along the kind of lines of this sociodynamic kind of stuff. And I got to admit, it looks a lot better than the old EEDC. Right. And what they've done first with the first unit they did this with was tourism. And they launched the Edmonton Original Campaign and you've got the Explore Edmonton site. That stuff is all based on the work that makes something Edmonton has done. It's and it was pretty good, wasn't it? It's fantastic, yeah. It's yeah. the first application of taking the foundation that makes something has provided and customizing it for a particular well, organization, right? That's what we need to do more of now. Now the U of A and Grant McEwen and all of the others need to take that foundational stuff from Make Something apply it to their own branding. It can't look the same, but it's got to be... Oh, it has to be consistent. It's got to be consistent. Yeah, and that's yeah. what would be really cool when it all does get aligned. And I think it takes time to get to that point. You know who did some really interesting rebranding stuff? There's two... two. This Edmonton Public Library... Spread the words. has been a great campaign. They did a fabulous job. Yep. And somehow managed, whoever supervised it, got everybody on board, got them right, sorted out the right slogans, got the good logo. Yep. I mean, they, they did reinvent themselves... And the other one is ATB Financial, who I yeah. think are like a classic textbook case on, on transformation. They went from being a very old, stuffy uh, kind of bureaucratic organization to now being one of the coolest, hippest banking ingratiated with the community and they've grown by about 20,000 accounts. I'm sure there's a lot of people that went behind that, but Dave Mowat has to be given credit as, yeah. you know, really the guy that made that happen. And what I now appreciate is to get that sort of casual look or whatever is an iron discipline imposed on every single department. You know, you will have your signature just this way. Yeah. Every release you put out will be in this font and this size, and there will be no deviation, right? If you want to say anything, it has to go through our central Gestapo mm -hmm. to make sure it's cleared. <laughs> and yet out of that comes this very kind of casual, hey, how are you image? Right. right. 
So that's fascinating stuff. That's the tricky part for make something because we don't want them to say to every organization in Edmonton, you must use this font and it must look this way. But we do want, like you say, some consistency. Oh, sure. So that's going to be tricky, right? And that'll be the hard part is getting other organizations to see how they can incorporate what Make Something Edmonton is about in their own stuff. The fact of the matter as well is we have we have actually moved a fair bit away. So we do have the color schemes of the city are generally green and gold. You know, the yeah, university, the Eskimos. I don't know what, yeah, the Oilers didn't follow that. City's blue, Oilers blue. Okay, a lot of blue lot as of well. Blue. Yeah. We this whole idea of Edmonton as a center of, of technology excellence and of job creation entrepreneurship has taken root, yep. is becoming known across the country. Uh, you know, when Venture Magazine did its sort of the best things about each city, that image is now coming and building quite nicely. So even though the whole thing frustrates me to no end with its time, it's kind of cool to watch a... Uh, and I think we all do have a, a much better sense of identity of who, uh, who and what Edmonton is now as Edmontonians than we did four or five years ago. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see some external validation of that, like you say. Uh, we're getting mentioned more and more in the national press as one of the five, at least. That's right. Uh, I asked Brad Ferguson about this the other day. He famously said that our branding efforts outside of Edmonton, he'd give it a, a 1.5 out of 10. But didn't he say that three right. years ago? He, he said that a few years ago. He said now he would put it around a three. So we've made some marginal improvements. Marginal improvements. Tough critic, that boy. He is, he is. <laughs> and did you see today, actually, uh, Duchess Bake Shop? We love Duchess over on 124. Yes. They were listed by BuzzFeed as one of the best bakeries in the world, the only Canadian bakery to be on there. Those lists are silly, yes, but hey. it still shows that Edmonton's getting some recognition. Enter every contest you can find just in case you do win, and then you can say, winners of. <laughs> Absolutely. So anyhow, good for them and their branding, but I still don't understand why it takes so long and costs so much money. I think that four or five smart people should be able to sit down together, draw up a battle plan, and execute. Period. If only it were that simple. It shouldn't cost tons of time. And I also believe it's the same as every other. The lawyers feather their own nest. The accountants make things so complicated the only accountants can do it. Marketing people. Ooh, we got to spend more time and all that. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. $200 an hour, folks. That's what the consultants charge. Okay, we're, we've only got five <coughs> or six minutes left, so we used okay. up a lot on that one. Now, you know what I like about Daryl Cates? He doesn't care about marketing and all this stuff. He just goes and does stuff. Every week we've had around the arena downtown, first of all, the Stantec building got announced. Holy cow. Then they announced that, well, no, the office tower the was office first. Tower, yeah. Then the, that tower. And then now, and then the Delta Hotel tower. And now they just keep dropping these things on us. The casino, everyone's wondering about that. I mean, that god-awful looking Baccarat, that sort of ochre color that looks like the color of either baby shit or puke i'm not sure which designed uh, by gene dub though which is really what? funny to me yeah oh uh, yeah. it must have been a real cut rate job <laughs> <laughs> he must have given to one of his junior junior guys maybe <laughs> anyhow yes they are going to tear that sucker down we presume and next to it they're going to build a big beautiful casino now personally i couldn't care less i, I think i've stepped for the only time i've gone to casinos is to go to shows at uh at uh, over in uh, what's the enoch one called uh, River Creek. Yeah, River, yeah. River Creek. Yeah. And the only place, because you can't get into their dining room without going around their right. their uh, casino. But I know a lot of people like them, so God bless you, and uh, maybe it creates some revenue streams. Uh, it will be nice to have 
a good-looking new casino for the folks that like casinos. Yeah, and half the building will be offices for the Oilers and the Cates group, so it'll be a multi-use building. It'll look really attractive. Open and up that, that corner again. They can all go down what. and go they can go down and gamble on their coffee breaks. So, yeah, yeah why Hope not? Hopefully it brings some more activity into the district. Haven't we got enough at this point? Holy cow, that thing's going to be so busy. Well, they better not stop with the announcements. They need to keep it going, right? This is a real estate play, pure, pure, pure and simple. And they need to have all of these things happening, right? You know where the, the Winter Garden exit comes up over 104th Avenue, Luke's down, right? Yeah. Remember we talked about they were the, the original concept, I think it's still there, is so you're going to try and put restaurants around there? I'm pretty sure that the Century Hospitality Group, uh, Chris Lachance is the guy that runs it. He will not say a word about it. His lips are sealed. I've bugged him about it for months. He says, nope, you're not going to hear anything. I think that they're going to put one of those bigger restaurants and down there will be a Century Hospitality one. Well, they have sold Century Grill and 100. Yep. So they've divested themselves of a, a couple of properties. So maybe that's to free up bandwidth or capital or who knows. We Curious see. to see. Curious to see. Okay. So another nice new thing, too. Are we in a recession? All these things keep coming at us. This Not Edmonton, apparently. <laughs> I know. I think we're just three months behind, okay. personally. But well, we'll find out. As long as you've got your buildings going up and you got, you're too far gone that they can't stop. That's the main thing. Right. The funicular appears mm-hmm. like it's actually going to happen. That's another one that's been kicked around for the last four or five years, the idea of a mechanized thing that will slide down the river valley like a little coal cart going into a mine. Uh, to get people up and down from the, the Touch the Water project into the River Valley. Because walking is just so difficult. <laughs> well, for a lot of people it is. No, I know. I'm being facetious. I yes, think it's good yes. to have more access into the River Valley. I I feel that the funicular is a good thing. It looks good. They've released the designs. If they actually make it happen, great. On its own, it's not going to solve the problem of getting people into the River Valley. They need to have a reason to go there. Right? Well, that's the Touch the Water project. Well, there's got to be some development. So as long yeah. as that's there, then maybe it'll be used. There's a few competing visions, as we talked about as, as well, the, yeah. the canal project and nothing like a few competing visions to really hold up everything. I don't. F- I can't figure out with the Rossdale power plant. It seems to me there's a pretty obvious thing you do there, and it's this idea of, of ruins in which new things are built. In Winnipeg, very fascinating, the Catholic Cathedral, goes back 300 years or whatever, I mean, much longer history than here. Burned down once, was rebuilt, burned down again, but this time it was stone. What they did the last one, which is in the 60s, they kept the hulk, you know, the shell, okay. and they made it as kind of a very interesting walkway to a new modern church. Oh, interesting. So it's almost like walking through Roman ruins, that, that sort of sense. Yeah, yeah. And I keep thinking with the Rossdale power plant, like they say it would cost so much to try and save that building per se. Why not create it as a sort of semi-artificial ruins, which one could walk through and be interesting, and then within that build some some neat little things that would fit. Well, like you say, things seem to take a long time, and Rossdale is one of those things. They've been yeah. talking about that project for a long time. I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe they turn it into a brewery. That's another idea people often bring up. Yep. But they need to do something in Rossdale to make, if they're going to have a funicular, you need to have, you need to take it to somewhere, right? <laughs> hey, again, look at Daryl Cates. Love him or hate him. Boy, has he managed to transform two or three square blocks downtown where there's a will, where there's a fabulous will. I wonder if someone but could come the, along. Who's the Daryl Cates of the Rossdale area, though? There's nobody that's driving that, 
right? We're going to give Irv Kipnis. We're going to give him something besides his Galleria to concentrate on. Okay. Say, Irv, we're going to give this whole real estate play to you. You can make $100 bucks out of it, but just give us something really cool. That'd be all right with hey? me. Yeah. <laughs> God, we sound like a bunch of capitalists, don't we? <laughs> we're going to be in trouble if the NDP gets elected. It's going to be an orange <laughs> province. And then last but not least, we were thinking about was uh, another very interesting redevelopment. Farewell to the Varscona Theater in Old Strathcona. It's not really farewell. It's going to be a complete gutting of a building that, again, the buildings we talked about, one of the 100-year-old buildings in town that's just being held together by, by gum and bailing wire for the last 10 years, right. is now finally, through a lot of exertion by the arts community, going to get a really good re re. It'll be just gutted and rebuilt from the bottom up, and it'll be a beautiful theater once it's open. I don't mind that one at all. Those people, the Varscona Theater Group, have paid their dues. They've been around town a long time. They put on some tremendous entertainment. Uh, they deserve to have a better home. Yeah, it's a very active venue year-round, not just during Fringe, but yeah. all the time. Dynasty and a bunch of really popular things there all the time. Um, I've been in the building dozens and dozens <laughs> yeah, of times. No, and we uh, all? It'll be cool to see a, a new one take shape there. And, and it's only, I think, a year away, right? Yeah, it used to be when you flushed the toilet, you could hear it all over the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they fixed that. <laughs> well, no, it's kind of charming. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go too far into that one. No, we'll leave that one there. No, so great to see. Pretty well see. about it this week. Lots of capital projects on the go. Our it's city amazing. is always growing. Amazing. With this recession... I wonder if a bunch of them are going to get stopped halfway if, if things... Well, I hope not. Okay, here's the worst-case scenario. We do get the slowdown does work its way down from Fort McMurray, and it does hit with a clunk somewhere around June-July. Mm -hmm. We get turmoil in the government, minority government, or we might even know who's going to take power, or the NDP make a deal with somebody, and suddenly you have a socialist government in Alberta. Oh, my God, you know, what are we going to do? These are the <laughs> There's a flight of capital from Alberta, and, and then some new damning evidence comes along that oil sands are no good, and everyone starts to exodus from there. This is what keeps Graham up at night, folks. <laughs> well, if... if uh, the Green Peacers get their way. That's what's going to happen. You really think uh, PCs are going to lose this election? I think at this stage, it'll be quite fascinating to see what happens. Don't forget, when it does finally happen, it tends to be a domino effect. Yeah, maybe. But I feel a little bit like it's Groundhog Day, because last time they also looked like they were in yep. trouble. And then we all know how that have ended up. So In the Stelmac era, the CBC sent 100 people into town because they were quite convinced. Their own people convinced them this was the end of the dynasty. And when Stelmac came back with a bigger majority than ever, they all just quietly packed their tents and, and left town. Like, you know, they didn't want to admit they'd made this colossal error in judgment. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see how it plays out. All yeah. right, folks, that's another episode of uh, Mac and Cheese in the books. Thanks for listening. Check us out online at macandcheese.ca. Our cheese this week, as is too often, is fictional. <laughs>